The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Well, you know, it's been a, a wild few days in politics, and really, when isn't it? <laughs> Recently in Alberta, from the Trans Mountain decision and Premier Notley trying to light fire under the federal government to trade talks and election talk. Well, with his thoughts on it all, we're joined by the leader of the Alberta Party, Stephen Mandel, joining us in studio this afternoon. It's lovely to have you back in here with us. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to be back. Uh, the two of you haven't changed a bit. Thank oh, you very much. Typically, tired. you point out how many pounds are put on, so that's fabulous. <laughs> not counting um, since I saw you many months ago. <laughs> you were a waif then. Yeah, exactly now, right. Not a waif. But anyway. Yeah, there you go. Do you notice I, I bought coffee at a certain place because I went to the drive-thru? I appreciate mm-hmm. that. It wasn't the Cam- uh, Camrose one, but still a Tim Hortons. Uh, I have to ask, we've got lots to talk about. Sure. As Jay just said, you know, a lot went on over the week, yeah. uh, the past week. Uh, I said something earlier before you got here, so I'm just going to say it to you in person and, <laughs> and get your reaction to it. My concern for the Alberta party is that you're potentially the third horse in a two-horse race. And how do you get yourself positioned to be more than just a spoiler to the Conservatives or to the NDP? Well, well, first of all, we don't see it that way. Uh, We say we offer people an option uh, with a specific philosophy that we will begin to unfold as as time progresses. And also, I don't believe the NDP can get reelected. And so if people want an option that's in the middle, that's more progressive, uh, then uh, the Alberta Party's that option. So we don't think we're at all a spoiler. We think we're an option that can be very successful. So you would suggest it's a two-horse race then between yourselves and, uh, and the PCs? Well, they're not called PCs, the UCP. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Trying to be a little active. I know, but they you know, look a lot alike, so... Well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, one would argue differently, but we can do that during the course of time. Sure. <laughs> Stephen, what, what's the party doing to get ready for an, an upcoming provincial election? I want to know, mm-hmm. as someone who would like to have another choice in this province, um, what, the, what the plans are. And I know that planks will be unveiled and that sort of yeah. thing. But as far as attracting members, uh, building a, a fundraising base, um, talking about how many people you're going to be able to run in each riding, What's going on there? Well, we will. Uh, the first step was that we have to be a party of the province. So we have to have 87 ridings filled with candidates who move along very well in that. That's a, um, a big job because it's a very large province. And uh, we've probably got in the queue and approved probably 40 to 45 okay. to 50 candidates. We're doing very well there. Um, we're because we're a grassroots party our, our platforms and platform policy comes from our members and so we have a, a policy convention in uh, in october and so we're developing the policies of uh, you know where we stand in issues what we would do and platform is a bit different as you know platform is about an election period of time which which will unveil during the writ period or just before which is our vision for alberta where we'd like to go in a in in a, in a province that needs to have a a new direction a new some new ideas so we're moving along according to our schedule and uh uh, we'll uh, um, start getting a bit more aggressive uh, come the fall. But the reality is, is June, July, August, people are mm-hmm. vacationing. 
I'm going to lots of parades and marching, giving away candy to kids, and and uh, I think kissing babies and, and kissing babies and giving giving dentist business. I guess I don't know. So. You're confident in that 87 number? Oh, we will though? have 87. Yes, you yes. will have yeah. 87. We will have 87. Absolutely. Will you We're have probably, more than 87? You can't have more than 87. Okay. There's only yeah, 87 writings. It. Oh, that's it. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. So in every we, writing, okay. No, we run two. We're kind of dividing. <laughs> we just what, what Andrew says. We're going to divide the vote. We're really going to divide it. Man, that's tricky. I have to ask. Uh, it's quite fortuitous, or or perhaps you're just doing it right, but in organizing this party and in getting the Alberta party out there and in all of these writings, you seem to have avoided any kind of scandal, which not every other party has. There's been no stories related that I'm aware of, at least, to the Alberta party stuffing ballot boxes or doing, uh, you know, candidates that uh, have passed that are dubious. Or So how have you avoided that? Well, it's, I would say it's quite interesting in that the quality of people we've had coming forward to run for us has been, uh, to me, a bit surprising because, as people would say, you know, they're the established parties, the UCP and, and the NDP. But the fact is we have an incredibly dynamic group of people that are running for us, former mayors, judge, uh, lawyers, engineers, um, some incredibly bright people. We have a process that they must go through. And that doesn't mean that something will not come out of the woodwork. I mean, listen, this day of social media, something will come out um, and you know we're prepared to defend our, our candidates but you know the people we have running for us are bright dynamic of all different age groups um, we're hoping to have a uh, I was in Calgary over the weekend we're coming in Calgary's got far more women running than men in Edmonton we have far more diversity than we have in Calgary so we're working really hard together and and in rural Alberta we got some great candidates as well too so I'm excited about the future and about the opportunity how, how many of them are ex-PC uh, members and how many are candidates candidates or or are well members for that matter i mean is this the party that that pcs who didn't want to be part of the ucp went to is that you know the majority of your membership is there a lot of new faces well there's mostly new faces i mean there's two candidates that were former pcs they're running for us that i know of and that's myself and and uh, one that was nominated in, in county strathcona dave quest um those are the only two that we have right now um we won't turn down if someone's a good candidate but the other 45 or 46 or 47 are all new people um and we've made that intentionally to um to try to bring a new idea new vision uh, and a very youthful approach to politics um and a very diverse approach to politics so yeah we're quite excited about our team and and hopefully we'll be successful um, someone wants to know if you have a candidate in Parkland County signed. I need something in the middle. <laughs> well, we have we have a candidate, uh, Don McGregor. He's in, in uh, he's in in Parkland County. Well, it depends. He's in Saint Anne Parkland County, okay. so it depends. And he's a great guy, um, business guy, um, very active in in the uh, First Nations community. Um, uh, quite outspoken, uh, very interesting, very interesting personality. I love how you'd mentioned talking about, you know, the days of social with the days of social media, you know, you're sure something will come up somewhere along the line. <laughs> I, I'm, what is the vetting process for one to become um, a, a candidate sure. for you? It's it's probably not much different than the other ones. You, yeah. you, we have an application process. You go online, you pull off the application. You then um, um, have an application you make to us as well as we pass on application to, to Elections Alberta. And then you go through this vetting process. And depending on how many candidates, and sometimes we only have one, sometimes we have two or three. And if there's, uh, um, they then vet your social media, your because mm. that's really where mm. the problems line up. Someone <laughs> does something. Where I was yeah, where it went. Sure. Somebody, you know, 
know, it sounds, <laughs> says something on their on their Twitter <laughs> account or their Facebook account, and uh, and as a result of that, they become uh, uh, disqualified. And mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes there's there's extraordinary extraordinary reasons that we've made decisions to which we know something about someone which has its challenges mm-hmm. and but we've allowed them come in because the circumstance under which it it happened and we think it's important to feature that that it's a important part of that person's history and about an important part about why our party is who we are all right so your platform not uh, announced yet per se but of course we've had some really big topics happening in the last week so let's talk about pipelines for mm-hmm. just a second if it's day one of premier mandel's uh, reign what are you doing about that? Can anything be done about this, or is this already dead? Well, I think you, you said the, the best word. You didn't say pipeline. You said pipelines. And that's something that people keep forgetting. We need a multitude of pipelines, mm-hmm. which is natural gas or oil. If we're going to move our energy out of the province, it can't just rely on the Kinder Morgan pipeline. You know, whether you rekindle the Northern Gateway, you work with First Nations to try to build something further north. I know there's lots of applications going on now for gas pipelines to, to move product to the West Coast. But I, I think that there's a couple of things that need to be done. One, I think we have to begin to market Alberta a bit differently. People have this, I think, incorrect impression of, of that we are are not this environmental, uh, um, I think, very creative community. I think that's part of what has is, is soured so many people on what's happening in Alberta. Um, and, I, and I think we need to begin to tell Canada and show Canada how much we care, but also that we're part of Canada. And we expect to be treated as part of a country and to have that, uh, that ability to take our products to market like any other group would. If you're a farmer or you're a, a manufacturer of, of, uh, of different kinds of products. And right now we're being inhibited from doing that. And I think that's a story we have to bring to all of Canada. We deserve that right. Our business deserve that right. And our people employed in the industry deserve that right. We've watched uh, Premier Notley after the announcement was made last week at 6.05 that evening. She went on the air and made her statement and was uh, obviously quite angry, quite upset, uh, laid down some demands for the Prime Minister. I know um, your thoughts on, on, on that speech and what needs to be done at a federal level. Well, this is primarily a federal issue. The federal uh-huh. government should take responsibility for what it's supposed to do and deliver on what they promised when Premier Notley made a decision about giving us a, a new tax, the carbon tax. Um, but that's that really wasn't the issue at that point in time. The courts and, and the unanimous decision made the decision about about delaying delaying the pipeline. But it is now an opportunity for us to do two things. One, to follow along the process of looking at what needs to be done to follow the guidelines they seem to set for looking at Aboriginal First Nations consultations and and looking at uh, species within the ocean, what impact it's going to have. But I think more than that, this does give us an opportunity to go to the Supreme Court and once and for all try to get a clear delineation of what consultation will look like with the different groups of people. Mm. Right now, nobody knows. Mm -hmm. And the lower court has one decision. Okay, that's what they've said. But you need the Supreme Court to more clearly delineate what are the issues and what do you have to do in order to make sure you get things approved or not approved, depending on what the process is. So I think that was one thing she really lost sight of, that there was this golden opportunity. Rather than get mad and and yell at the federal government that she's going to drop out of this or drop out of that, which meant nothing because it's not going to happen for a couple of Mm -hmm. years. But really, um, maybe 
maybe take some responsibility for what's happened because I think she is culpable. She's the one that stood in front of the legislature yelling and screaming that we have a pipeline, the shovels are going to be in the ground. She has to take responsibility for that. But at the same time, she could have been much more statesman, stateswoman-like, or however you want to call it, statesperson-like, and, and looked at what we can do as a province to begin to drive a new agenda so Alberta be, that becomes clear what we can do uh, to, uh, to export our important products around the world. The judiciary is part of the checks and balances of a democracy. So one could argue that they've done the right thing here. With, with due diligence, they've said there hasn't been enough consultation. Mm-hmm. So the judiciary does not take direction from politicians, but what would a province have to do, uh, or what would our prime minister have to do to change the circumstance under which we would now have a suitable consultation process and move forward again? What has to change? Well, I mean, obviously, they've said the consultation process with the First Nations, and everybody knows that's not been as complete as it should be over any number of years. But I think they're near to, as I said a few seconds ago, that there needs to be a much clearer understanding of what the courts are expecting, too, because by the court making this decision, there was enough consultation. They're making a determination that there was enough consultation. So what is enough consultation? And I so think who this, defines that? I think the Supreme like, Court. Okay. I think you have to go to the Supreme Court to get that final final decision, because if you go along the process and you say, well, this is what we're going to do and follow the, the regulations that are set out by the lower court decision, and then you get to the next case, who knows what's right or what's wrong? I think once and for all, there needs to be some clear understanding with, with First Nations uh, and those impacted by these decisions as to what to do. You know, it, it has to be um, reasonable. It has to be fair that, that individuals who are impacted by Whatever it is, whether it's pipelines or other, other whether it's a, a rail line, need to have the, have the ability to speak up and to be heard in a meaningful way. And so I, I think that in talking to the First Nations people we have, they want to just be respected. They want to have that opportunity to participate. I mean, this is a country that has really, for many, many decades, forgotten about the opportunities that we've taken away from the First Nations and, and Métis peoples. And so I think they're mad, and I think rightfully so, that the things have to change. And I think the courts are reflecting that. So sitting down and finding what their concerns are, making sure they have opportunities. So at the end of the day, this isn't just a, a pipeline taking energy from one end to another end and not and everything in between is forgotten find out what jobs and, and what can happen what are the opportunities for them to buy in the pipelines how can they share in the opportunity i mean this is you know this is an opportunity to do something proper in a more effective way and 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 we as the alberta party would do that the alberta party leader stephen mandel joining us in studio this afternoon it's 320 a quick break more with stephen mandel right after this been uh, sitting down and talking to Alberta party leader Stephen Mandel about all things politics in the province of Alberta. And might I just say, sometimes just a little bit hard to get out of the routine of saying Mayor Mandel. It was was quite a while. It's just you want to slide (laughs) right back in there. But no, Alberta party leader. How does that taste these days? It's a lot of work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot more work than being mayor, I'll tell you. I was surprised because it is a very large province and uh, we've been traveling across it all summer long. Uh, Tremendous number of fairs and and various carnivals and uh, parades. And what what are you hearing? What are you hearing about the offer, the, 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 the choices that are out there right now? 
Well, we're hearing, you know, we're very fortunate. People want to know about us. Um, they want to know what we stand for, uh, uh, how old a party we are. People are, are you a party or what are you? Um, people, people are interested in finding who we are. That's why it's so important for our candidates to get knocking on, on doors to meet people, give people some ideas about our idea of diversifying the economy, what we do in education, things like that. So people have been very positive, very supportive, and in the hope in the end they'll begin to open their eyes and ears and hearts to us. And uh, we think there's a tremendous opportunity, but it really comes from the quality of candidates we have. And right now I'm incredibly pleased with who we have as a candidate and the ones we've chosen and whoever joined the party. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the future. I have to ask, uh, one of the concerns that our listeners bring to our attention whenever politics comes up with the province of Alberta is the amount of debt that the province is oh, in. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, what what reasonably can be done to bring that debt down, given what commitments have already been made and, and what the NDP government has already done? I think there's a few things that you can do. Um, one is, you know, people always say work with government and the expenditures to try to bring more in line. And I think that's true that you look at the increase in expenditures in a variety of departments over the last three years plus has been substantial. And I've got to believe there's a fair amount of savings. Um, that's number one. Because um, people in the province want to know we have an efficient government. I think that we're getting a raw deal when it comes to the equalization payments. You know, right now Alberta is sending an awful lot of money more to Ottawa. And when you see that Quebec is getting 11.8 billion dollars a year and they're running a 1.8 billion dollar surplus we're running they say in almost a nine billion dollar deficit but then you add in the capital expenditures that we're borrowing the money for that too i mean we really need a change in the whole configuration of how we're funded within this country we keep sending tens of billions of dollars to all not getting back so i think that given that we're a newer newer party we've never um, been had that responsibility. So one of the party leaders has been in government before and they didn't do anything about equalization and the current government hasn't done anything about it. We believe it's a, it's a reasonable request to make of the government and to demand it. We well, when you fairly. talk about equalization payments though, you can't, I don't think, change what gets sent to Ottawa. You can only change what comes back, right? right? Because it's but federal it's tax. It's, that's how it's calculated. The, 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 the the federal equalization or the, the money is going to Ottawa and, and the equalization is, is calculated on revenue. And so revenue goes to Ottawa. So I think that there is a, uh, a reasonable um, request to say we need to have this more equitable. How can you have one province running, uh, getting $11.8 billion, charging nothing for post-secondary, very little for a whole bunch of other things, and running a surplus in other province who's sending all the money, getting nothing? And you, so I think it's not yeah, very fair. Fair enough. You know, here's my biggest concern when it comes to anybody who takes over this government or, or mm -hmm. maintains uh, control of this government is that I hear time and time again, and it's the kind of thing I like to preach about, that there's waste. Mm -hmm. and, and the party not in power always talks about the waste. Mm -hmm. And then they get in power... And I don't see them finding the waste, yeah. like show me the money. And, and that was one of the big things about the old PC party is there was too much, uh, you know, wasted. There was uh, too much uh, handouts or whatever else. I yeah. can't remember the yeah. right term for it. Um, and, and, you know, we got rid of some low-hanging fruit, like let's sell some planes and let's, you know, do this and do that. And none of that amounted to a hill of beans. In fact, getting rid of the planes, for example, cost us more money. What can you reasonably do, uh, and I would assume that people also think that cutting the waste or finding the waste means cutting salaries or cutting bodies, but it doesn't have to be no. that at all. Finding efficiencies. I mean, how are you going to find efficiencies when no one else has? Well, no, it's, no one else has tried, let's be fair. The last, you know, three years of a government, they haven't really looked 
to save money, they've spent an inordinate amount of money. Um, so I think it's not not fair to say that they're the ones who save money because they haven't. But I think if you the the problem uh, is that people, as soon as you start saying you're going to start saving things, think you're cutting. Yeah, that's not true. I mean, you know, um, you take a look at the healthcare system. Why can't we uh, take the healthcare system, begin to um, diversify it, move it back to some communities, have community decisions made about healthcare? So there's not as many decisions made in Edmonton and Calgary, and so communities can control their healthcare better. Allocate them a budget have them live in it, live within that, and you'd be much, much more effective. Um, you know, you decentralize things, it makes a big difference. So I think that's one. Um, I, I think if you look at several of the programs that have probably been implemented, um, you know, the, the carbon tax has created a, uh, probably a bureaucracy unto itself, and I think that, that is a whole other question we can get into, but we'll leave that alone for now. But there are ways in which government can be more efficient. But let's be fair, you're still dealing with people's lives. You're not going to go in there and say, let's cut, you know, 20,000 or 50,000 people and not worry about them. That's not fair. I mean, people have joined the government because they believe they have a solid future. You need to look at things for attrition, how you can be more efficient. Take a look at what are the departments you can amalgamate. People are retiring. How do you do it in a much more uh, um, sensible way? It isn't fair to do it, just big slash. And then you put a whole bunch of people out of work and they have mortgages, they have families, and you just can't, you can't do it. It's not right. So Alberta Party will look at how do we do it. We'll put in place a reasonable plan that's fair and equitable for the people who work very hard for the Alberta government or for Alberta Health services or any number of agencies and find a better way to do it. I believe we can do it. I believe that we're the only party that will do it and can do it. Alberta Party leader Stephen Mandel joining us in studio this afternoon. Uh, you can find out more about the party at albertaparty.ca. Thanks for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to see you both. You look both look wonderful. Well, you look better than him. But anyway, that's beside the point. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.